trial, the, uh, the Jewish trial, they've convicted him by his own testimony of blasphemy since he said he was the son of God. Of course, it's really not blasphemy when it's true, but uh, they didn't give that any thought. Um, and, but there's really a second trial in a sense going on uh, as Peter is sort of on trial, if you look at it that way. He's followed at a distance, he's there in the courtyard, but they're starting to figure out who he was. So, 69 to 75. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are talking about. When he had gone out to the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. A little later the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you two are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times, and he went out and wept bitterly. So there's this servant girl who says, you two were with Jesus the Galilean. You know, she maybe had she been in the arrest party or had she seen him in the temple with Jesus or what, but she, she will like, you were with him. And what's Peter say? He doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. That's not maybe exactly totally denying Jesus. It's a lie though, he didn't know very much what she was talking about. And uh, so it's kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, it's, uh, it's starting him down the wrong road. And he could have said, well yes, and I'm proud of it, you know, he's, he's my savior, he's my lord, or whatever. Uh, but he denies it. And well, he's gone to the gateway. Notice, uh, he, step by step, he gets a little farther away from Jesus. And uh, there's another servant girl that sees him and said, uh, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And what does he do now? Denied it with an oath. <laughs> yes. Now, isn't it interesting? Jesus confessed under oath who he was, and Peter denied under oath that he knew him. So there's quite a contrast there. But he even says, I do not know the man sort of talks as if he didn't even know what his name was. <laughs> you know, he's trying to do everything he can to throw them off the trail and to, uh, you know, make them not realize who he was. Of course, Peter's cowardice is enhanced by the status of his accusers. You know, servant girls of all people. That's somebody to cower in fear of, you know. Uh, so that's interesting to me. And a uh, little later, one of the bystanders, how do they know Peter really is one of them? The way he talks. Yeah. So the more Peter denied it, the more he was giving himself away by his Galilean accent. You know, that uh, he shouldn't have been talking so much. And he begins to curse and swear, I do not know the man. When it says he began to curse and swear, I don't think that means he's like using bad words. I think it probably means he's saying something like, may God damn my soul if I know this man, or something like that. 
uh, putting himself under a curse if if he's not telling the truth, which of course is a horrible thing to do. Put yourself under a curse if you know Jesus. Um, and then the rooster crowed, um, and Peter remembered. Wow. I mean, he never thought he would do this. I mean, it happened so quick. It seemed so natural. He was trying to just protect himself. And so what does Peter do? Cries bitterly. You can imagine how heavy this was on his conscience. If Peter, of all people, can fail like this, no disciple is invulnerable. If Peter, of all people, can be restored, no disciple is hopeless. I think we learn a lot both ways. You know, who would have thought Peter could have ever gotten to the point where he puts himself under oath to say he doesn't even know him. But who would think that someone could do that at such a critical moment and still be forgiven and used by the Lord? Comments and thoughts? I wonder what the time frame was. How much time there was in between each one? Or... I guess one of the things I've wondered about it, did the rooster crow in the middle of the night? Which, you know, or was it near morning? I was, I was assuming it was getting close to morning. Possibly. You know, it doesn't tell you exactly, but, you know, it would be even more <laughs> interesting or whatever if it had been even in the middle of the night or something, wow. you know. <laughs> if it had happened really quick. Right. Before the cock crows, you will deny me, and it happened before eleven o'clock or something. Yeah, it, who, you know, all the timing on this is conjectural. I mean, I'm assuming Jesus may not have been rested till after midnight. You know, because you had the Last Supper. Jesus said a lot, especially when we look at John in that Last Supper, and then they go out to the garden and he prays those three times and so forth. So, I mean, I, my guess, my idea was it may have been just after midnight. But I, who knows? That's all subjective, you know, how you look at it. But that's kind of the way I looked at it. So. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a lot to get done in these final 24 hours. I think one of the marvels to me is how quickly all this happened. Now, granted, we just have a lot of details. You know, we don't have this much detail about anything else, you know, in the Gospels. But, wow, there was a lot that happened from Thursday night to, uh, you know, mid-morning on Friday. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they were working pretty quickly, all this stuff. And we do have, I mean, we may almost have every hour accounted for in these narratives. Other thoughts? Is there some, like, apparent discrepancy between the Gospels on who talks to him? Yes, there is. And I suspect that it may have been more than one person in some of these cases. That it may be in, you know, how that often would be. You know, somebody would say something, somebody else would chime in. Yeah. So that's my guess, is that there's actually more than one in the last couple of accounts, because there is a discrepancy. It's really complicated to sort all that out. It's what you'd expect from eyewitness reports. You know, they are not necessarily 
you know, saying the same thing because they heard different things. They saw it from different angles. So accurate. I believe they are. Some of this is harder to work out than others. There have been people who have conjectured that there were six times he denied. I don't think there's any need for that at all. <laughs> but but people do all sorts of things to try to reconcile. But I think I think for the most part, just assuming that you didn't necessarily have just one person accusing him each time, pretty well resolves the problems. And what's the thing about the rooster? Because isn't some one account well, says it's two times? Yeah, he, I think the rooster did crow twice. And it's after the second time that he came to So, like, he didn't notice the first time? Maybe not. Or it didn't dawn on him the first time. I mean... How could it not have dawned? Well, I mean, they probably heard roosters crowing, you know. I mean, it may not have been such an unusual noise. But he knew the whole time he was doing this. Well, but he did. But, you know, what, what happens when you do wrong? You put it out of your mind. I mean, how many times have we done something we knew was totally wrong? And how did we get through it? How did we actually do it knowing that we were really hurting the Lord? Well, we have to just ignore the Lord entirely in those situations. That's what I think. Anything else? Well, look at 27, look at 1 and 2. Now, when morning came, as the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death, they bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pilate, the governor. You know, this is just kind of the, the next stage in this, that they have convicted him by the Jewish trials, but that's really not adequate for the sentence they want pronounced. They want him executed, and they can't do that by Roman law, they did not have that much power. They had police powers, they could punish people in their court system, but when it came to capital punishment, that had to be turned over to the Roman jurisdiction, so they uh, have, have, you know, th their decision is to put, put him to death, but they have to bound him and take him very early, I think, on Friday morning, to pilot the governor. All right, anything you want to say about that little all right, three to ten. Then when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned, he felt remorse and returned the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, What is that to us? See to that yourself. And he threw the pieces of silver into the sanctuary and departed. And he went away and hanged himself. And the chief priests took the pieces of silver and said, It is not lawful to put them into the temple treasury, since it is the price of blood. And they counseled together, and with the money bought the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. For this reason, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel, and they gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. So, Judas sees what's happened, and, well, he feels remorse. Um, maybe you weren't expecting that from Judas, but he's sorry for what happened. And what does he do first? Money back. 
Now, don't you think that's interesting? You know how much Judas liked money. He'd even been pilfering the pot, <laughs> you know, the, the money bag. I mean, he'd been, he'd been embezzling some funds. So and he's very, very motivated by money. I think for him to bring that money back is a pretty significant thing for him to do. Um, why did he do that? He's not going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? I said, because he's not going to need it. That's an interesting take. I'm not sure that's the reason he brought it back, but you are right about that, of course. It's not going to do him a whole lot of good. I never thought of that. <laughs> I, didn't, I never, I never I thought for. that he was planning to commit suicide when he took the money back. I, thought, I always thought that's what sort of pushed him over the edge. May have been, because what would he think in terms of bringing the money back? Make it back. Undo everything. Absolutely. I mean, I, to me, that's a step to try to undo what he did, but you can't undo it. I mean, you know, Judas's remorse and taking the money back, how can you ever unsin a sin? I mean, that's one of the terrible things about sin. Once you've done it, you've done it, and you can't just, like, go back and, and, and un, undo it. And, and they can't really get rid of their guilt this way. I mean, just bringing the money back, he still is guilty. Just like Peter's tears don't really undo his guilt. They're both, you know, really, you know, sad about this. Um, but, but, it, but it didn't work. And uh, maybe, maybe he wanted them to undo their trial and undo their conviction. Maybe, you know, I don't know bring Jesus back from Pilate or something like that. But what's their attitude about that? That's your problem. Yeah, his conscience isn't their problem. <laughs> they don't care. And uh, he just throws the money into the temple sanctuary. He And his guilt, I think, is such that he doesn't feel like he can keep the money. And uh, then he went away and hung himself. Which, you know, didn't really solve the problem either. Um, sad, really sad. You know, the chief priests take the money. Aren't they characters? <laughs> the money's been thrown into the temple treasury, but how do they feel about this? Can't keep it. Yeah, they can't put it in the temple treasury. Why can't they? Because it would violate some little portion of the law that they're trying to trying so hard to uphold. <laughs> That's right, yes. They are certainly sticklers for doing everything right. And, uh, <laughs> you would not want to spend put blood money into the temple treasury. How did it become blood money? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was the price paid to get Jesus crucified. That's the point. The only reason it's blood money is because they paid it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just very interesting conscience that they have. Uh, they got the money from the treasury in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Can't put it back after it's been spent to hire a hitman. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, I probably thought, well, you can't use triple money to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what did they do with the money? It's found in the potter's field. Yes. They used the unclean money to buy an unclean place for the burial of unclean people. Uh, 
and that apparently ended up being where Judas himself uh, ended up. So his money ends up buying his own burial spot. Is that why they bought that? I don't know that it is. I don't know. Is there any reason why they chose to buy that? Mm. A field for dead people. <laughs> 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 for a <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. Nothing. I mean, it w they were being, you know, community servants and <laughs> donating, <laughs> giving back to the community. Yeah, that's right. A place to bury people. They were fulfilling the prophecy, but yeah, that's it. Yeah, uh, so it could be that that would was a very odd thing for them to do with it, but. It had been prophesied that they would do that. <laughs> Therefore, no matter how weird it was, it's probably not something you do every day of the week. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then you would have a lot of fields. There's a lot of fields. <laughs> I'm gonna go out and buy another field to bury strangers. It takes a while to fill up the field. Yeah, how, you many, think. how many strangers did they have that just wandered in and died? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe some had just done that that day, so they were just needing a place. <laughs> Well, it is the Passover, so they have a lot of foreigners in town. Now, yeah. I, mean, I could see, and this doesn't sound like something that would just be a terrible use of money. I suppose, I don't know, are there, are there ever any kind of like municipal cemeteries where they bury people who don't have anywhere else to get buried? Well, the county ends up paying for people that can't afford it, but it'll, they'll buy a plot in yeah. a cemetery. So, so, I mean, something like that, you know, you could see happening, but again, you wouldn't see, you know, the city's probably not going to buy it very many cemeteries for this purpose, so uh, mm -hmm. it was a probably once-in-a-lifetime experience. It's interesting then that Judas died there or whatever because he wasn't a stranger. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. And the fact that they could get this done so quickly, that he could then be buried there because you don't well, change lands that hand, Land doesn't change hands that Did he hands kill himself like five minutes late? I'm not convinced this all happened instantly i mean this right. is written after the fact so you it's, don't think judas went out instantly? i don't know i don't know what kind of time frame right was. i mean obviously it wasn't like months because you know he's you know, i always had the impression he threw the money in they didn't maybe, take it and then he went out i don't have a good feel for that hmm. but it was fulfilling prophecy although whose prophecy well, what does the text say? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. But it mostly quotes Zechariah. <laughs> That's a bit of a problem for us. Yeah. You have a solution? They were the same person. Yeah, That was his nickname. Yeah, don't think so. It was for short. Yeah. <laughs> Now, some have pointed out that it abbreviated the two names look a lot alike in Greek. And so some people think that, you know, Zechariah was originally written and it was accidentally changed to Jeremiah. That's not my preferred explanation, but that is a possibility, I guess. Does Jeremiah say anything similar? Yeah, he does say something. Do you remember what Jeremiah has uh, told to do? Jeremiah is sent down to the pot in uh, Jeremiah, really 18 and 19. But he's sent to uh, the potter's house and uh, so forth in Jeremiah 19. 
he breaks this jar, uh, potter's jar, and so forth. And uh, I really think, I, I haven't worked this out really uh, very well, but I suspect that we are intended to remember Jeremiah's prophecy about this potter's, uh, this potter and the breaking of the potter's vessel and so forth, that that has something to do, that this is a fulfillment of that also. And that he mentions Jeremiah because we might have forgotten about Jeremiah's reference to the potter. You know, he quotes Zechariah. That's certainly the one that, you know, there's more details about. But he goes ahead and mentions to fulfill also what was written by Jeremiah the prophet. Uh, and, and then he quotes what, what Zechariah said as well. That, that's my guess is that he actually intends for us to remember that Jeremiah had something about the potter also. And that that might be something less obvious and more easily missed. I'm still trying to figure out exactly how this ties in with the message of Jeremiah, so I don't have a good answer for that. But I think that's what we ought to. I think rather than trying to assume, well, maybe he really meant to write Zechariah or really didn't change it or whatever, I suspect he's trying to point it to Jeremiah also and say, hey, you know, it's also fulfilling what Jeremiah said. <laughs> I think sometimes we assume the Bible's dumb when it's us that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just because we don't quite comprehend something, we assume that God got it wrong. Mm. Well, it's probably because we're not deep enough yet. Mm -hmm. And then you add the, the translators making it smarter or trying to because yeah, it's... <laughs> I mean, well, for one thing, you read that and it says, Jeremiah says or Jeremiah saying. And uh -huh. then it's quoting that. So I don't know if that is literal, the way it's written. Is it supposed... You know, he's... It's written saying, this is what Jeremiah says. Mine yeah, mine doesn't do that exactly. The only thing is the punctuation that makes it look like right. Jeremiah said that. Right, yeah. Well, this says that which was spoken through Jeremiah saying. Huh, what do the, you have? He has I mean, the American standard, but Yeah, that which was spoken through Jeremiah oh, the prophet was yeah, fulfilled saying. Right. Right. In, my, in my updated numeric standard, it's it not like saying. that. It has, then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. And they took the 30 pieces of silver. It doesn't do the same. Which probably, the okay. update is probably better. Right. Usually he has anyway. That was my point, whether yeah, how yeah, that, that they translated right. it, or they, they, they smartened it up by adding the word. Right. Yeah, that does definitely happen sometimes. That the translators did, missed it. <laughs> messed it up. You would prefer the translators not try to help you with it. They'll do that. Yeah, I see that even in Portuguese every once in a while. You know, something that's kind of a discrepancy, and they'll try to resolve the discrepancy instead of believing it. Well, leave it. If that's what's in the original, you leave it that way. Even if you don't know how the discrepancy is resolved or whatever, you know, you have to have enough trust in what's written, you just leave it the way it is. Uh, but I noticed the other day something in Portuguese that way, and it's like, ah, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> All right, so that, that's my best guess, is that he does actually intend for us to see a reference back to Jeremiah 19. Is it possible that this is something he said, just not in the book of Jeremiah? Yeah, I mean, you can't say it's not possible. <laughs> I don't think it's likely. How would you ever prove it? It's possible, but I don't think it's likely. Yeah, especially when he refers to it. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's as if it's known. Yes, that's right. I mean, there are some extra biblical references like 
that deal with, um, uh, um, where is that now? Enoch in Jude 14. The prophecy uh, uh, was about these men that Enoch spoke. Well, that's not in anything in the Bible, that, but that it was in some pseudepigraphal literature or whatever, and we're assuming that that was uh, actually a tradition that's accurate that Enoch had actually said. So. I assume Acts is where we know that Judas was buried here. Yeah, I believe it is, actually. Uh, let me look here for a second. Uh, it's at the Acts 1, and... Uh, Yeah, now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness. It's kind of a funny way to say it, but he did, <laughs> even though he wasn't the one who actually bought the field. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his intestines gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem, so that in their own language that field was called Keldama, that is, field of blood. You know, I suppose it's possible that they chose that particular field because Judas was Rather than clean it up. <laughs> but I don't necessarily read into that that, that he was he's in that there. field or even died in that field or was even related to that field. Yeah. It could be that the field was 30 miles away, but it's relating the story that he of his death. What what verse is that? That's uh, Acts 1, 18 and 19. Uh, uh, well, okay. I mean, I've never seen anything that makes me think that he was buried in that field. Which goes back to your timeline then. This could have been a month later that they bought the field. Right. Well, uh, so you're say are you trying to say that maybe he died there but he wasn't buried there? He died somewhere else. Well... Well, he could have died somewhere else because he burst headlong and opened in the middle in this field. <laughs> It doesn't say it was in the field. field. Yeah, it that was just, he exploded. Oh. It never okay. says he died in the okay. field, or nor does it say he was buried in the field. But, I mean, you could... The field was named after his You're death. saying it's right. saying he acquired so a field yeah. with the price of his wickedness yes. is one thing, yeah. and he fell headlong is something else. Yes. <laughs> he didn't acquire the field by dying in it, right. I don't think. Okay. I've, yeah, I've never related. I when you said that earlier, I couldn't figure out where it ever said he was buried in the field. But that's what they always taught us in Bible class. I don't think I've ever taught that. No, I, I was surprised when you said that because I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I thought I okay. thought he was uh, not, at least that he died in that field. But I guess it doesn't directly say that. In there, so maybe it did. <laughs> that's just it. First, I don't like to read anyway. That's a little gross. Well. <laughs> Why does he tell us something so graphic? Because he was gross what he did. Yeah, exactly. I think this is the fate of somebody who sells his master for money. But that doesn't seem to line up with what it says here, that he hanged himself. Maybe he slipped. <laughs> Maybe he hung himself by himself. Some, sometimes in the Old Testament, <laughs> I think, um, when they said hanged, when they got hung or whatever, they impaled him. So, that I think he hung there long enough to rot. I don't know about that. Maybe so, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I thought, is that, you know, probably something happened. Either he rotted enough, he slipped through the rope. Or, or the rope maybe broke. The, maybe the rope broke, or the limb broke, or, 
you know, somebody cut it up down or, you know, I don't know. But uh, I'm assuming, I mean, I'm guessing by him bursting like that, my feeling would be it's most likely that he'd be hung there dead for a little while and kind of swolled up. Yeah, I don't know what's the past tense of swell. Swelled. Swelled up, swelled up. He was swollen. <laughs> but if you want to say the past yeah, tense of swell, I swelled. Swelled. <laughs> Today I swell, yesterday I swelled. <laughs> I have swollen many times. <laughs> Well, there are some yeah, verbs in English that just don't work. Yeah, swell. <laughs> oh, swell. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm learning stuff with this study. Yes, yeah, so at least English grammar. No, I don't think I'm learning that at all. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, anything else we want to say on English or on Matthew? Um, yeah, about the money and him giving it back. Yeah. Like, I felt like he got what he wanted and then it turned out that it wasn't what he really wanted after all. And so for him giving the money back, it's like, well, this isn't even attractive to me anymore because now he kind of sees like the full uh, repercussions of his actions. And so now he doesn't even want it. Yeah, you know, I just don't know what to say about what Judas imagined would happen. I mean, I, I can certainly see why you think they couldn't or wouldn't be able to really kill him, although I'm still wondering what Judas thought he was going to happen after he did this if Jesus survived it. <laughs> I mean, uh, is he going to still try to be under the radar and pretend to be one of the disciples, or, you know? <laughs> I, know. I don't know why all those people were following me that night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just kissed you, and all of a sudden, yeah. people came. I didn't even know they were there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, or if he was going to just pursue a secular life. And, uh, but he was probably so distraught, he wasn't thinking. But later, but I'm saying, yeah. if he did, oh, okay. did he expect Jesus to actually get killed? A lot of people said, you know, he never really thought that would happen. Okay. And I can see why he might not think that would happen. I mean, the disciples really didn't think Jesus could be killed. So that that's a possibility. I, I don't know. I mean, some of those things I don't know that we have an answer on. And it says in verse 3 that when he saw he was condemned, to me, that kind of says like he didn't think he was going to be condemned because he mm -hmm. had nothing wrong with him. Uh -huh. So that when he saw he was condemned, that's when he went and brought the money back. So that may be? I don't know why he wanted to survive that. Yeah, I, yeah uh, who knows? I don't know. Maybe they thought, maybe he thought he'd get the money and then Jesus would just kind of magically escape or something. I mean, he's, he's managed to get out of a lot of stuff. So, I don't know. Whatever he thought, this was uh, didn't turn out to be as much of a uh, blessing to him as he was hoping for. All right, uh, how about uh, 11 to 18? Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor questioned him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge, so the governor was quite amazed. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the people any one prisoner whom they wanted. 
At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that because of envy they had handed him over. Well, so Jesus is before Pilate, the governor, and he's questioning him, Are you the king of the Jews? And, well, Jesus said, Yeah, you say, you said it. I mean, Jesus is not exactly denying it. He's not exactly affirming it. He's just going to, yeah, that's you, you said it. You know, so he's, he's acknowledging yes, but it's not necessarily the words he would use. And But when, when the Jews accuse him, what does he say? Nothing. He doesn't say anything. Why not? Because he might be acquitted. That's a good point. You know, uh, he didn't want to get out of this. Uh, he was also, you know, the lamb dumb before his shearers. I mean, he's, he's not trying to defend himself. He's not standing up for his rights. You know, this has got to all be strange to Pilate. I mean, the, the question Pilate asked in verse 11, are you the king of the Jews? I mean, I don't know how he asked that, but that's got to be a little baffling to him. Who would ever have thought he was the king of the Jews? And then he's like, do you not hear how many things they justify against you? I mean, <laughs> say something. You know, I mean, you would assume that Jewish defendants uh, were not normally silent when people are accusing them. I mean, most people try to answer, try to justify, try to do something. Um, so, you know, it's really, it's really odd. He's got an unusual prisoner here, and he doesn't answer about any, any, give any single charge. And, and I imagine Pilate never had a prisoner, a, a guy on on the defense stand that anything. You know, it's like they don't need a response. And so Pilate knows from verse 18 that the real motive behind their bringing Jesus to him was not how much they wanted Caesar to be their king. It was envy. He, he, he sees through them. So what does he try to do? Yes. You know, he was, there were political prisoners back here. And so at Passover, apparently he had the custom to release a prisoner, you know. And, well, one of the possibilities of Barabbas, who we know was guilty of some of the things they were accusing Jesus of, you know. And, uh, but, but what do the people end up wanting? Well, they're going to end up, you know, asking for Jesus to be crucified, so this ploy with Barabbas is not really going to work. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it's just like, Pilate is so weak. It's almost like he's leaving the governing to them. You know, it's almost like oriental bargaining. You know, okay, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you one of these and for one of those, you know, kind of a thing. And, uh, the, the governor's leaving the, gover leaving the governing to the mob. Comments and thoughts on From history, do we know, was he pretty weak? Yeah, and pretty, I don't know, complicated. He'd done a lot of pull-ups and bonehead moves. And, Did know. the Romans like him? Mm, no, I don't know. 
I, I, I think, I mean, from what I've read, I don't think his administration could have stand up, stood up to a whole lot of scrutiny. You know, so I don't know the Romans were against him, but I think if the Jews had complained, they'd have turned on. So I think he does have something to worry about. I think he's got some skeletons in his closet. Other thoughts? And how about 19 to 26? He was sitting on the judgment seat. His wife sent him a message saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. But the governor said to them, Which of the two would you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They said, Crucify him. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, Crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, but rather a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See that yourselves. And all the people said, His blood shall be on us and on our children. And he released Barabbas for them, but after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Well, this is interesting. What about Mrs. Pilate? She had a dream. About? Jesus. Yeah. And she told Pilate. She'd had this dream that he should not do anything to this righteous man. I bet that's got to even make Pilate more on edge. Things are spooky with this uh, situation. Now, this is just a, an aside. But this is kind of interesting. In the year 21 AD, the Roman Senate had defeated a proposal that no provincial magistrate could be accompanied by his wife. If they had passed that proposal, Mrs. Pilate couldn't have been there. Hmm. So that's just uh, intriguing. That's a stupid uh, proposal anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, say that again. Okay. In the year 21 AD, the Roman Senate defeated a proposal that no provincial magistrate, like the governor, could be accompanied by his wife. So, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go Okay, if you want to be a provincial magistrate, you need to get a divorce. So, like, she wasn't accompanying him, though. She sent him a message. Yeah, but she was with him in the province. She was, she lived with him. So that's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So he couldn't have his wife live with him? Well, he could, but they defeated the proposal that would have meant he couldn't. A few years earlier. Yeah, a few years earlier. It's just interesting that, you know, there was a proposal actually not to allow the people like the governor to even have their wife with them in the province. Yeah, so he was sent there to govern, and, right, and exactly. it would have prohibited her from going with him to the province. Right. I don't know what their rationale was for suggesting the law. I don't know what the vote was. But. And how long would they be in the province? Like, for years? Pilot was there for a few years. I can't remember just how long. So that's a dumb proposal. 
Exactly. Yeah, the people from Project 8 did not wise or didn't like them wise. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say, Ariel? I think we're missing the point. point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really trying to debate the merits of the proposal that Robin said at the moment. <laughs> Maybe they realized that's the reason they defeated it. At any rate, so a campaign ad here. <laughs> At any rate, call your congress, or what would you call them, your councilman, or Roman senator. Your Roman senator. I don't know. Tell I, him I to vote think, no. I don't think you voted for these senators. But Tell him to vote no for proposition <laughs> <laughs> such and such. Proposition X I V L. Yeah. X I I V I. I get it. I didn't get it. Those are Roman numbers. Roman numbers. Oh, yeah, I got that. <laughs> that was all there was. There's nothing about the specific Roman number. L C. In this section, I have, <laughs> I have to add a note about this. About it. Well, it's sort of interesting. I never heard that before. I won't make a note not to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> Distracts the class from the point. Did not go over well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at any rate, the chief priest and the elders got the crowds to ask for Barabbas to be released and Jesus to be killed. Now that's interesting because Barabbas was an insurrectionist. Like he was a rebel. He tried to stir people up against Rome. They are accusing Jesus of being treasonous, of trying to be a rival king, of, of trying to stir people up not to pay taxes and things like this. So they actually asked to release the guy who was who was truly guilty of the things they were alleging Jesus had done. But what they're doing is stirring up. Well, yeah, an you know, like they're doing. What they're doing both that. Of them were. Yeah, they are doing that. But I, I think it's interesting <laughs> that Barabbas was guilty of the very things that they said Jesus was guilty of. Yeah. So clearly, they're not concerned about you know preserving the honor of the king and making sure there's no rebellion against him. The Jews weren't concerned about that anyway. They'd have loved to have rebelled against the king. So you know, honor for Caesar is really not a Jewish passion, and, and maybe that's part of the reason why Pilate could see through this. He knew they were not sincere in this. When have the Jews ever wanted to defend Caesar? But they are determined to put Jesus to death. They're hollering to crucify him. You know, they shout more and more. You know, in an argument, almost any argument, the quieter side is almost always right. Don't you agree? At least you would assume that in most arguments. If you see two people arguing about something and you don't know what it is, one of them's getting really worked up, you assume he's wrong. Mm -hmm. So the Jew, the, I, I don't want any responsibility for this. He, he doesn't think he's going to be able to calm them without going and crucifying Jesus. But he, he washes his hands in front of them and says, you know, it's not my, I'm innocent on my idea. Now, could Pilate really wash his hands of this and be innocent? Yeah, he's the governor. I mean, he has to allow the execution to take place. Maybe it wasn't his idea, maybe it's not what he wanted, but he's the one in charge. 
And so whatever happens on his watch, it's his responsibility. So he can't really do that, but he tries to. What do the Jews say? On us and our children. And it was, AD 70, when the Romans came in and destroyed Jerusalem, they, they paid for saying that. So he released Barabbas, he had Jesus how, how, scourged. Back up on, how did that happen? Do what? In AD 70. The Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the Jewish nation. So they avenged the blood okay. of the, the death of Jesus. I mean, really, they this was the straw that broke the camel's back. This was, the, the, this was the final act that filled up the cup of wrath. For God. God made him drink, yes. So the Romans weren't doing that to offend Jesus. Jesus, but God allowed that to happen, is what you're saying. Yes. To avenge, to avenge Jesus. Yes, right? exactly. That God saw to it that Jesus' innocent blood was avenged at there in their children's hands. But his blood was on them also, any of them that, that ended up believing in Jesus. Or, you know, his blood was on all of them. <laughs> In a different way, yeah. Yeah, I've always thought of that too. You know, let his blood be on us, and well, it was. Anybody <laughs> that believed in him and was baptized, his blood was on them. Yeah, that's a different way of looking at the blood being on you, but yes. And, and it was, so it was on them either way. <laughs> no matter what happened. Pretty good. And also, then of course later, they're throwing the apostles in prison saying you're trying to put this man's blood on absolutely. us absolutely yes in what <laughs> and they should have said that's what you asked for well exactly exactly that is pretty outrageous when they say that uh let's see where was it acts 5:28. we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name and yet you have filled jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us yeah. And you can read you can read that in two ways too. He was preaching to them, trying to bring Jesus' blood on them to save them. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. But also accusing them of the ones that had killed him. Which is what they meant by it, at least. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need Jesus' blood on us in one sense. All right, comments or questions? Twenty seven to thirty one. And the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they kneeled down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took, off, they took his robe off and put his garments on him and led him away to crucify him. So, this, the soldiers get to have a little fun. You know, they uh, take Jesus into the governor's palace, and what do they basically do? Dress him up like a king. Absolutely. He's, he's their king. And then what do they do? They mock him. They mock him, you know, Hail, King of the Jews! You know, they're just trying to play like he's a king. They're trying to 
to add insult to injury here. Um, you know, I mean, this is kind of a ludicrous image with a crown of thorns on his head and his robe, and, and they're just, uh, you know, bowing down before him and mocking him very bitterly, really. Um, by the way, crown of thorns on his head. That's appropriate, isn't it? Where do thorns come from? Genesis 3. Absolutely. You know, the thorns are the fruit of the curse that occurred because of sin. The, the earth would produce thorns and thistles. So it's appropriate that he would be wearing on his head the uh, kind of the punishment for that sin. And they spit on him, and they take the reed and beat him on the head, and mock him, and they yank his garments off and put his garment back on. Now, is this a place that Jesus would not normally be able to go in? The governor's palace. Yes, I mean the, the Jews. Was it? They didn't go in there because this was Passover and they didn't want to be unclean by going into a Gentile house. That's what residence. I'm, yes. Yeah, the Jew, Jews wouldn't really have gone into a Gentile's house most of the time because they, you know, get Gentile goodies. But that wouldn't have been part of the law. No. Okay. I don't think so. Gentile goodies. So, I mean, you think about how Jesus was willing to bear indignity and shame and humiliation. You know, I've copied this from somewhere, but I think this is a good statement. If we value our dignity too much to live with unjust criticism and the world's hatred, we must seek a different Messiah to follow. You know, because, I mean, our Messiah, I mean, this is all... What, what happened to him, this totally unfair criticism, this hatred, this malice, this, I mean, they just belittle him, they just, man, they, they, wow, just really insulting. I mean, it's just hard to imagine, you know, being so, you know, despised that they would mock him this cruelly, right before they're about to crucify him, spit on him and just drive those thorns, kind of thorns into his scalp. I mean, they, they just malicious against him. So we can expect as followers of Jesus not to be treated in a way that gives us all that much status or dignity. You know, and Jesus doesn't retaliate. I mean, we are so bad about, man, somebody looks at us the wrong way, we're ready to bite him. I mean, Jesus put up with a terrible abuse calmly. Thirty-two to thirty-four. Oh, that is here. Oh, that is here. Oh, Prince, sorry. 